Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 108. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Yami. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and speaker. I'm also a passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, motivation, and mindset so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Are you ready to get started? Let's do this. So I think you just have to really, really educate, say what you're eating is, is not the best for yourself, for your life, for the planet. And they kind of they kind of start to get it slowly but surely, but they get it. Well, hello, hello, veggie lovers. I hope you are having a fantastic day. I am back again with another fabulous and heartwarming interview with Dr. Shantala Sonad. Dr. Sonad is a family practice physician in upstate New York who spends her time talking to patients about health and wellness. So we have just a really fun conversation about her journey to becoming a plant-based vegan, her children, the pandemic. So there's a lot of different topics that we touch on that I know that you're really going to enjoy. But before I tell you more about Dr. Sonod, let me remind you about some lovely goodies that I have for you. If you go to dryami.com forward slash free, F-R-E-E, you will see lots of wonderful downloads. They're PDFs, what to eat for breakfast, so breakfast ideas, eating out guide, replacing dairy, replacing meat, zero waste swaps, and a shopping list. And we'll be continuing to add lots of great resources to that list. You can download one, you can download them all. They're beautiful PDFs and they're there to help you, help make this lifestyle easier for you. So I hope that you enjoy them and tell your friends and family members about them as well if they would also like to get copies for themselves. In addition, if you would just like to sign up for my newsletter, you can text the word FIBER, F-I-B-E-R, to 66866. And if you haven't already picked up a copy of my book, A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, I would really appreciate if you do. I have continued to get great feedback from around the world about my book, and it just warms my heart that it's helping so many people. So thank you so much. If you have purchased my book, and especially if you've purchased it through Amazon, if you could please leave me a review on Amazon, of course, an honest review of what you thought about it. 
I would really appreciate it. And it really helps my book and how it's ranked and helps other people find it and helps them consider whether they want to purchase it and read it themselves. So thank you so much for everybody who's already written a review for my book. I want to read a review from Amazon, a five-star review by Elena Ojanin who titles it, Excellent Resource to Recommend to My Patients. As a registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator, I'm excited to finally have a resource that I can confidently recommend to parents and my patients to read. It's easy to read and contains practical tips. And actually that was by Inika Ojanin. So thank you so much, Inika. I really appreciate you taking the time to write a review and I'm so glad that it is helping in what you do in your job. Just a reminder that the information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment. So if you have concerns about you or your child's eating, nutrition, or growth, please consult your healthcare professional. I have a really special series coming up in August. Next month, it's all about pediatrics. Lots of great experts, pediatricians, nutritionists, experts in the kitchen. So lots of fun stuff. Stay tuned. If you haven't already subscribed to my podcast, you're definitely going to want to subscribe because there's going to be lots of fun bonus episodes. So it's going to be The month of August is going to be exploding with lots of practical pediatric knowledge, lifestyle medicine for pediatrics, and lots of goodies. So please subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss out. All right. So Dr. Shantala Sonad is a board-certified family medicine practitioner in New York. She was born and raised a vegetarian and has now been vegan for several years. It is her goal as a physician to reach as many people as possible to spread the knowledge and importance of the vegan lifestyle. She is currently chair of the physician board of directors for a large medical group and is an active member of the physician's committee for responsible medicine. As the mother of two young vegan children, She enjoys creating and cooking new recipes daily and shares these as well as health information on her Instagram page at plant some love and it's mouthwatering people definitely want to follow her at plant some love because she and her sister and her mom cook amazing vegan food. It makes you want to go through the screen and just eat it. So uh, I really hope that you enjoy this conversation and get a lot out of it. I think you're going to fall in love with Dr. Sonad and all the stuff that she's doing in her practice with her children, her family. And without further ado, let us listen to this beautiful conversation. When you grill it, we gon' sing. Dr. Shanti Sonad, thank you so much for joining me on Veggie Doctor Radio. Yes. Oh, my goodness, Dr. Yami. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really honored for the opportunity. I'm really excited. Awesome. Well, we're going to have a great time. Well, let's get started. Tell me about your plant-based journey. I'm really curious to know. Yeah, you know, well, actually, I am a lifelong vegetarian. I've actually never had meat. Um, my father's South Indian, and my mom is German Irish, so kind of a mix. But we were kind of grown up in a vegetarian household, and we always thought about becoming vegan, but it never, you know, really happened. But 
I, re I remember exactly when it did. I was breastfeeding, actually, my youngest, uh, my youngest child. And of course, I'm sure a lot of you listeners have seen What the Health, the documentary on Netflix. And I don't, you know, it's the emotional moment, you know, you're a new mom. And it was just like an image of, you know, the baby cow being ripped from the mom. And I just, like, I remember very, I just kind of lost it. And I was like, if someone took my milk from me, you know, it was, it was a lot. And so I just said, that's it. I'm, that's it. We're changing. We're done. And the next day, my whole family became, became vegan. Wow. <laughs> I know. So I should call what the hell and be like, thank you for that terrible image. Because I mean, it just kind of, I think a lot of us have a, a disconnect of where our food comes from. And I feel guilty of having that even being vegetarian. And I mean, the light came on and I think, you know, that was four or five years ago and I'm not going back. Sure. Yeah. And probably yeah. your experience of being a new mom yeah. at the time. Oh no, that was your, your youngest. So you already was, had one. Yes. I had my okay. second one, but again, I thought about it, you know, with, when my son was young and I'm not sure why we didn't, you know, it's just cause I remember deciding, am I going to give my baby cow milk? What am I going to do? And then everything just hit me right then. So yeah, yeah, the emotions of being a new mom and like, what am I, what can I do with the best for my baby? And cow milk was obviously not the right answer. And yeah, I feel much better. So does our family. So, wow. And so growing up was the vegetarianism, was it talked about in an ethical way in your family or was it just like taken mm -hmm. for granted that this is what we're going to do? Or how did you feel about it when you were a kid? Yeah, it's actually a great question. So yeah, I do practice Hinduism. I do believe in Hinduism. So that's kind of how we were, um, were growing up. So we believe that all life is created equal. I mean, I have a, a tattoo, ahimsa, which means do no harm to any animal. So it was that really balanced. For me, vegetarianism and veganism isn't a diet. It's really an ethical lifestyle. I don't wear wool. I don't wear silk. I have to make my car especially with vegan leather because a lot of companies won't do that but no it's definitely always been brought up in my life like that but in India as you know there's lots of vegetarians but it's it's a lot different in some places in India where when the baby cow feeds from you know the mom in India if there's anything left then maybe on that little farm you will have some milk in your tea it's different in that sense so it's not obviously how it is here. And that's not like that in all places in India, but again, it's a, it's a different connection. Mm -hmm. So I've always had that, you know, ethical sense ingrained in me. And now I just feel much better that I'm doing it wholeheartedly. Awesome. Well, did you feel any different after you transitioned away from, so I'm imagining it's dairy and you're yes. probably eating egg too, right? Yes. I, I've never really eaten eggs. Um, when I was eight, I was making eggs for little brother and it was bloody. And then I <laughs> Um, but yes, it was dairy and cheese and it's silly things like, oh, I love cottage cheese. It has a lot of protein, but no, I mean, immediately, I think it was the connection that I had with animals that I felt mm -hmm. just much better. I would see a cow because I mean, I live in upstate New York, right? There's cows, there's cows everywhere and you just see it and it's like, oh, I don't, I don't steal your milk anymore. I, it wasn't just that, obviously I felt better, but at the same time, I just felt a better connection with the the animals. I did. I made yeah. a big difference. Yeah. Oh, I love mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I found you on Instagram. You yeah. have an account with your sister, Plant Some Love. I love that mm -hmm. name too. So oh. tell, me, tell me about that. How did you and your sister start an Instagram account together? You know, it's actually really great. And our mom is actually involved too. So I've never really understood when people say, 
oh, you know, I don't get along with my sister. She's kind of like my lifeblood. We have been very, very close, even from the beginning. Um, you know, we're three years apart. So my mom said when she was born, I actually thought she was my baby. I would like to carry her around. So we've always tried to like connect as much as we wanted to. So our mom, like I said, is very involved. She's an amazing cook, Yummy. So I remember being little, there would be, you know, like 15, 20 ingredients. She would put something together and it would be awesome. It'd be amazing. And we're like, you know, mom, what did you make? Can we have it again? And she's like, no, I have no idea what I did. So she has this like gift and this curse of not writing anything down. And so we actually all became vegan together, my mom, my sister, and myself. And when we started to, you know, cook more, it's like, wait a minute, we need somewhere to write these recipes down, not just for us, but maybe we can kind of spread along. So Instagram was a great platform for that to kind of share our recipes and my sister, I'm more of the cook and my sister's the baker. She made, she's always been an amazing baker. Um, and I think it was more exciting to cook when it was vegan, not vegetarian, because it's almost like, it's like a challenge, right? How am I going to replace these eggs? How am I going to replace this dairy? And my sister's just thriving in these beautiful, like two, three layer cakes. When you see those, that is her, that is, that is not me. And then my mom makes, you know, amazing sourdough bread. She names her starters Frankie. Like it's just, oh it's, it's really fun. I think with this, you know, crazy time now, us being apart, my mom's in Florida. So it just brings us together in a, in a different way too, that we didn't have before. So yeah, it's really fun. We just kind of started it like, I think we started like a year and a half ago, but that was like posting once every four months or something. But now we kind of did it like January, February and we're having such a good time. So fun. And yes, those yeah. recipes, those pictures <laughs> just look so amazing and mouthwatering oh. and delicious. It's like you, there, there could be like a feature on Instagram where you could do like a taste <laughs> test or something, you know? Let's try it, please. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, you are a family medicine physician mm -hmm. as profession, but you focus on health and wellness. What does that mean to you? You know, yeah, I think that's really a great question. I, th I think it's really important that patients kind of know what doctor they choose, right? I mean, for me, wellness is basically like when the body is in sync, it will inevitably be in a state of good health. So for me, that means, yeah, I mean, like mental health, physical health, psychological health. When that is all in tune, you're inevitably going to let your body use those intrinsic healing properties to heal themselves, right? So I think it's really important to give the power to the patient, like they have to meet you halfway, to give them the autonomy, to give them the knowledge, say, hey, you can actually do this on your own. And I think what's tricky but great about being a wellness physician is I am perpetually 30 minutes late, right? <laughs> because in my front, I was like, oh, you're a little bit behind. But I think you know, one thing I learned in, in residency um, in Flint, Michigan, I'll give a shout out. I drink, you know, the water for three years. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but, but, but my attending said, you know what, Chantal, when you, when your patients come in a room, you have to listen to them. And that was hard for me. I think I learned a lot because I'm a chatter. I, I really like to talk. I got, um, you know, a number like 13 on all my report cards, like talks too much. Um, so it was hard for me, for me, my mom always told me that. But when you listen to the patient, you know, I'm sure obviously you see this all the time. I have 10, 10 problems, doc, what are we gonna do? You know what, actually it's one or two that's probably causing the rest. If we get to the organic root of the problem, we can find out, hey, you know, if you have your neck pain, if it's inflammation, let's talk about capsicum, let's talk about Indian, right, turmeric. I'm not just gonna throw ibuprofen at it tell the fix and patients kind of maybe it takes them a little bit of time but they're like oh okay I have this ability to kind of 
heal myself. And when they have a doctor, because they trust their doctor, right? If they have a doctor telling you, hey, you can do this, you don't need all these meds. It's kind of amazing what the power they have when you tell them that. Wow. How long have you been practicing? I've practicing. So I finished it in 2013. So 11 years. And, and how long have you been focusing on the wellness aspect or is that something that's evolved over time? Yeah, it actually has evolved. I started out actually um, in urgent care. I was the medical director of two different urgent cares and I stayed in urgent care because patient access is very important to me. As you know, the problem we have with medicine today, it's very hard. It's demand and RVUs and, you know, go faster. So I really, because I always love family medicine, but in urgent care, I could talk to so many people and I found out that I'm telling every single one, no matter what they have, oh doc, this mole looks weird. I was like, yeah, it does, but how much meat do you eat? Like I could kind of feel it like evolving like that. And then I just knew I had to kind of come back to my roots. Mm -hmm. So then I switched back to family medicine a couple of years ago and really ever since then, ever since I had, you know, the awakening of the vegan lifestyle, every patient I talk to, no matter what it is, we talk about health and wellness and it's made an amazing difference in my, in my patient's life for sure. I love it. Well, that's how I feel like I practice too. Like I'm a, yeah, I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. but okay. I have a lifestyle medicine emphasis, you know? Okay. So basically all my families know when they come in there, <laughs> I'm going to be asking them about nutrition and physical mm-hmm. movement and sleep and all of this, because, because both of us, we know that really that's the foundation of well-being. And that's the, mm-hmm. especially for me being a pediatrician, seeing the little right. one, right. I you want gotta start to early. Them live a long, healthy life. I'm not just trying to help, you know, cure the ear infection or whatever. I, I mean, right. the ear infection, whatever, that's going to come and go. It's really about having a life that you feel good in. You know, that's what I really yes. want to help my patients achieve. So, it's so true. I saw your post about beans and I was loving it. And it's like, Hey guys, but well, I'm going to ask you how many beans are you eating? It was really cute. And it's just great. Cause I hear you said you're private, right? So that's just amazing. Like you, you know, your patients so well, you have such a good relationship and obviously they're all choosing you because they know that you don't care about just your infection. It's about how, like you said, to live a long, healthy life. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like that's how our society is evolving, especially for this, Mm -hmm. this new generation. Mm -hmm. You know, we've, we've gone through these different shifts where we've had different generations that, you know, maybe take their health for granted a little bit, but now this new generation, they, they care and they want to, you know, they want to learn about the green smoothies and they want to learn about the exercise and the sauna and all this other stuff, you know? So it's super cool. What what would you say that you're most passionate about when it comes to lifestyle medicine? Mm -hmm. What area do you really feel like really passionate about? Yeah. You know, it's actually funny. I think you, you just mentioned it. A lot of times I like to go down to simplicity, right? Like, what do I want? for myself and inevitably what I want for my patients. And I think, you know, being a family doctor and obviously with a pediatrician, my family is, you know, my core unit. And then my other family is my patient. So what I want for myself is really to spend as much time as I can with the people I love. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the the way to achieve that is exactly what you just said is longevity. So I always mention that to my patients. I say, listen, with a healthy lifestyle, it's inevitable that you're going to live longer. I mean, there is I can, you know, show people hundreds of articles. If you are vegetarian and especially vegan, you actually live seven years longer. That is a proven fact. So if you want to be with your family for a long time, listen to me, do these, you know, changes, plant-based, 
you know, focus on everything being in tune at the same time. And it's kind of inevitable that you're going to live longer. So I really try and at the end of every visit, I, you know, you always have kind of a wrap up and say like, you know, what did you guys get from this visit? It's like, doc, I think I'll live longer with the people that I love if I do this. So, I mean, obviously there's some tricky ones, but that's really my goal. I have a lot of patients that are over a hundred and I'm going to try and that's my goal, right? To have those centurions be my patients. So. I love that. Well, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to point out though, not just living longer, but living Mm -hmm. longer, better. better. Yes. 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 Because, you know, I've always been like, yeah, I want to live to a hundred. And I started encountering people that are like, yeah, no way. And I asked them, well, why Mm -hmm. not? And it's people a little older, maybe in their Mm fifties and sixties that will say to me, I hurt everywhere. My hips hurt. I need two knee replacements. I have Mm -hmm. like this indigestion all the time. There's no way I want to live 40 more years. And then I'm like, well, of course that makes sense. If you feel like (laughs) crap, you're not going to want to live long. So I think we have to really help people understand that we can be empowered to feel better so that even if we don't live a hundred years, the years that we do live on this life are quality years, you know? Yes, that is so, it's so well said. And I think it's really sad in a way that, I mean, if you remember your training, how many hours of nutrition did we have, right? What, one, I think I had more nutrition about how many teeth there were in the mouth than nutrition, right? So I think when I, because I have a lot of new patients continually and it's like, yeah, no one has ever said anything about what I should eat. And it's really kind of sad. So those patients that you're talking about that have this crazy hip pain that have, you know, these back pains, nobody probably told them what it could be if they just, like you said, I love that word, was empowered to have a better life, right? One pound of extra weight on your body is proven to be eight pounds on your bones, right? So somebody has eight X or like five extra pounds, that's 40 pounds on their knees. They're going to need a knee replacement. So, I mean, there's just so much education, I think. That's one of the, the really problems, I think, with a lot of, you know, physicians and, you know, medicine we have today is there's just not enough time to educate patients effectively so they have, you know, the power to heal themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I love what you're doing. So thank you for that. Yeah, whenever absolutely. we started mm-hmm. talking, you uh-huh. told me that you have lots of examples of how diet can really affect the health of a patient. So I'd love to Mm -hmm. hear some of your favorite stories and transformation stories um, so that we can inspire some of the listeners. Oh, yes, yes. Gosh, there's really, there's a lot. Um, So I have definitely this one that comes to mind. He's just delightful. He was a new patient to me and he's like, you know, doctor, I'm not feeling great. He hadn't seen a doctor, I think in 20 years. Um, He was overweight. He was, you know, urinating a lot. So obviously we're thinking about diabetes and stuff. So long story short, his A1C was 13.6, which is a dangerous level. So listeners, 6.5 and above is diabetes. So this is very high. This is a dangerous level. Um, But I fundamentally hate insulin. I really do. I try not to put any of my patients on insulin. So, and he, you know, I mean, you have to decide in a good way. But anyway, I said, listen, this is what we're going to do. I'm pretty chill, easygoing doctor, but it comes to like health and wellness. I'm like, listen, you got to do this. You're going to be poking yourself three times a day. Like that's it. Um, So we kept very, very close contact. I put him on, you know, a good oral combination medication. I said, you have to be essentially vegan. That's it. And this guy is meat and potatoes with a cowboy hat. He's very, very cute. I say, doc, there's no way. And so we talked about it. I gave him examples of how to make food, how to make, you know, soy sausage crumbles, like all these things. 
And um, I said, you have to exercise and, and lift weights too. So again, um, for listeners, weightlifting is one of the best ways to decrease your A1C naturally, because mm -hmm. the more muscle tone you have, the more room you have to store that sugar. So that's one of the best ways. A lot of people don't know that. So weightlifting is very important. Um, so he started lifting weights. He didn't have weights. So he used like his big chickpea cans. Um, and in six months, he has lost 42 pounds and his A1C is 6.5. So I, 6.5, really, like I had my partner, an endocrinologist, was like, what, are you kidding me? You didn't put this guy in insulin, what's happening? It's just, and now he actually, um, so we have what's called a patient-centered medical home. So he is now an influencer to a lot of my other patients say, hey guys, listen, this, he comes to our meetings and he talks to my patients, say, this is what I did. And I was really hesitant and look at me now, like he is amazing. He's like, a, I mean, a vision of picture of health and he's 69 years old. So it's wow, really, he's almost yes. 72. I don't know. I was imagining almost, it. Yes, he's almost, he's almost 70. It's really funny. He like brought me samples. This is pre-COVID, but he brought me samples of food, like a veggie chili that he made. It's just like, and it's created this relationship that, he really feels, which is true, that I care about him. I want him to live a good life. I don't want him to be poking himself with insulin, right? And when you meet each other halfway and you, you talk and you keep that constant conversation, it's just, I mean, like, really, like, I think he was crying the first time. It was just, it was really emotional. It was really, really exciting. So he is one of my prime examples for sure. Oh, what a beautiful story. So when yeah. he first came in, was he surprised about his diagnosis or did he kind of feel in the back of his mind that there was something? He said, I knew there was something wrong, doc. I didn't know if it was my pressure or sugar or my bones, but I knew something wasn't right. And he just knew it. And you just, and it's, you know, I think it's really important to be not an alarmist with your patients to really be like, hey, I think knowledge is power, right? So let me give you the power and the knowledge to, to understand what's going on with your body but how we can reverse it in these ways, instead of saying, okay, I'm gonna give you some and give you this, like it takes a lot longer, right? I mean, as you know, to focus on lifestyle, but look at the results. I mean, I have actually a handful of patients that have canceled their bariatric surgery. I don't think my surgeon partners are happy about that because I work for a big group. Um, but yeah, they're like, doc, you know, I want you to do my clearance for, for, my, for my bariatric surgery. And I'm like, let's just talk about it. And these are people that are kind of like, eh, you know, should I have it? Should I not? You take time, you counsel, and it's, it's really amazing changes. I think the best is when, you know, you have your three-month follow-up and their cholesterol has decreased 40 points, 50 points, their A1C is down. I mean, their, their weight, right? I mean, weight obviously comes off when you adapt, you know, the diet. there's a lot of really concrete examples of why. So it's, it's really exciting for a lot of my patients, for sure. Wow. That's awesome. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm imagining this interaction you have with this gentleman mm -hmm. and coming from like two different cultures. I mean, older gentlemen, cowboy hat, you know, country guys, what I'm, I'm imagining here. So how, how did you talk to him about the food? Like was he cooking himself? Like, how did you help somebody like this? Like, I, I guess, you know, I'm a pediatric, so it feels a little bit different. Right. But, it you know, I just kind of want to see how you're able to talk to people and bring it to where they are, like their culture mm -hmm. and their household and make it work for them. Yes, exactly. I think, and the most important thing is too, is to ask, I said, tell me about your home. Tell me about your lifestyle. And he's like, well, that. I was divorced 20 years ago. I lived by myself and I ate frozen meals. And I was like, okay, 
this is going to be tricky. I said, excuse me, hold on. I'm gonna, I went old school. It's like, I'm going to get a pad of paper. Okay. And I wrote down kind of like a picture of how the body, in a simple, simple diagram, like when you eat sugar and fat and frozen food, where it goes in your body and what happens. And like, just simply he goes, oh, oh, okay. And he goes, so, so what do I do? And the animal product was really a tricky one for him. He's like, dad, what are you talking about? I eat meat and potatoes. That's what my mom told me to do. I have to do it. And I said, because we've done something for a long time, doesn't necessarily mean we should keep doing it. He's like, but no doc ever told, like it was tricky in the beginning, right? It took maybe, you know, 40 minutes, we talked for an hour. He said, but no one's told me this. And I said, well, we met each other for a reason. I believe people come to each other for some reason. I said, this is why you came here today. You're gonna change your life today. Your lifestyle is changing. So I wrote down a grocery list for him. I told him where to buy the groceries and I told him when certain ones are on sale because that was an issue too. And I said, I'm gonna, I have a care manager, so I'm very lucky in my office. I have a diabetes coordinator who's very helpful too. So I said, we're gonna keep in close touch with you. We talked to him every week and then every two weeks and I saw him every month and every single time he was like, Doc, well, so I made it. And he would call me too. He's like, Doc, I don't understand what spice to put in. <laughs> what to put in this chili? Is this me? Like he wasn't sure if something was based on me. And it just, it was really, it was a, a long haul. I mean, really, we just had a lot of close communication, but when they see that relationship that you are totally invested in their health and lifestyle, they meet you there and they're really excited about it. So it was, it's, I'm really proud. He's an amazing guy. Yeah. Well, I'm just feeling so grateful because I mm-hmm. know that the majority of physicians wouldn't have even tried to go there to begin with. Cause they're just thinking in their mind, um, yeah, it's not going to happen. A, it's impossible. Yeah. I'm not even going to try cause I'm going to waste my time and he's going to get yeah. frustrated. I'm not even going to try, but you put the effort in there. You walked him mm-hmm. through it, started with the basics, went to his level, and now he's cooking chili yeah. on his own after making frozen yes. meals. And that's beautiful. That reminds me, you know, I'm also a health and wellness coach and I coach, um, you know, coach women and, you know, I have some women that have never ever worked with tofu, but then they start getting curious and they're like, I don't know about this. And you know, what's so cool is like when somebody's like super afraid of tofu, cause you know, tofu is one of those scary things, you know, it's like one of those scary things. Like, what do you do with this? And they start, and then they're just like, become a tofu expert. And you're like, you remember when you used to not even like know what tofu was, (laughs) you know, like it has like a tofu shirt now, right? (laughs) Yeah. And you make this evolution. And it also reminded me, I do a men's class Oh, and really? it's, it's really, really fun. And we talk about like prostate cancer and erectile dysfunction, That's all this super stuff. Fun. And I had this one class it was packed. Okay. There were all these men from like twenties to almost seventies. Okay. And I was talking to them about milk and how milk increases the risk of prostate cancer and all this yeah. stuff. And really they should not be drinking milk. And it got really quiet and an older gentleman, very classy looking man, full head of white hair, raises his hand. He's like, well, doc, if I'm not supposed to drink milk, then what should I drink with my meals? <laughs> he was drinking milk with every single one of his meals. It was like, he was like, well, what am I supposed to drink? And one of the younger guys in the audience was like in his twenties. He's like, water. <laughs> was so funny. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was like that. It was like, doc, what, well, if I don't eat this, what do I eat? You know? So you just kind of have to really help people navigate because that's what their 
whole existence. That's what their life has been. So they just need help thinking about something different. That's amazing. On top of all of these amazing podcasts, on top of your private practice and you're doing health and wellness seminars, this is, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm not doing them as much anymore, but that's one of my favorite (laughs) classes is the men's class. So I know I will do it again in the future. That's very, very cool. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're, you're already talking about diet, but Mm-hmm. In general, how do you see that diet has affected the health of your patients overall? We talk about diabetes. Mm-hmm. What other effects are you seeing in your patients? Right. Yeah. So, and I think really simply is, I mean, a lot of people want to lose weight, right? Like America is as unhealthy as they've ever been. So when people say, oh, hey, like if I go, how am I going to lose weight? So fundamentally, what do you eat in a vegan diet, right? Yummy, yummy. It's fruits and veggies, right? So what do those have? And we, I put this again in a simple way, you guys, this is fiber, okay? This is tons and tons of fiber. What does fiber do? It decreases cholesterol, it decreases heart attack, and it decreases incidence of cancer. And what it does, it fills you up. It literally turns off kind of the appetite to keep being hungry. So that's one of the main things that that helps the weight loss. But the other thing that people always say, well, doc, I'm going to be eating so many carbs, so many carbs, so many carbs. And this is what is frustrating. I think it's really important to educate our patients about because, you know, obviously there's the keto movement, right? Everybody's stuffing their face with bacon and it's like killing me to see. Um, And their cholesterol goes through the roof and it's just, it's not a, a sustainable lifestyle, right? But if you think about, you know, a long time ago, like the the physics and the the numbers in in carbohydrates, whether it's, you know, rice or pasta or whatever you're eating, there's actually only four grams, four, four calories per gram in a carbohydrate, whereas nine, there's nine in fats, right? So I'll say that again. So in carbohydrates, there's four calories per gram. And in the animal fats, dairy, cheese, there's nine calories per gram. So even if you're, you're eating a little bit more carbs, but why are, why did the Asian population have literally the lowest incidence of cancer and are the thinnest? They eat rice and tofu every day, right? So I think there's, I mean, I'm just going to say it politically, there's a, there's a ploy by the dairy industry. There's a lot of misinformation out there. The number one supporter of the American Credit Association is the beef industry. It, what? Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Can I say that? Can I talk about that? It's just, it's really, it's upsetting. So I think we can tell these patients, yes, you can eat these good foods. And really, if you look at the numbers, it's going to make a, a really big difference. And that weight loss really comes, like I said, from the fiber and because you're eating healthier and actually less calories overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah and that fiber, mm-hmm. my favorite yes. F word. Yes, fiber and beans. Beans are your thing for sure. <laughs> Where do you feel that you encounter the most resistance to change in your patients? Where are the obstacles there? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think for myself too, change is, change is really hard, right? I mean, for anything. So I think, you know, I can go back to that fundamental disconnect of where, where our food comes from. I have, um, for example, I have a lot of patients that are actually bodybuilders, right? And it's like, dog, man, I just need a hamburger. I just need a hamburger. And again, it's education. I was like, you know, what I explained to them, I said, what is the biggest, strongest land animal you know? And he's like, is this a quiz? Like, what are you talking about? I was like, tell me. He's like, an elephant, right? An elephant eats plants all day. So again, I try to simplify kind of everything for my patients when they're really resistant of, I need animal protein, I need animal protein. because when you eat a hamburger, you get a lot of the whatever good stuff you get because a cow is vegan, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get it from all the, the meat of the cows because, you know, the cow eats plants. So they're like, 
you're blowing my mind, Doc. Like, what are you talking about? And I think that, like I said before, when you are taught to do something over and over and over and no one has told you different, I feel like I have a platform as a physician. I see 20, 30 patients a day and I have to give them this education that they haven't seen before. No, they're resistant because they've never heard anything else. So if you give them kind of simple examples, it can actually, you know, make a big difference, I think. So I think when they're used to doing things one way and they don't realize, like, Doc, why are eggs bad? Well, I mean, you know, every baby boy chicken that is born don't think of this as a real word, but they put it in the smusherator, whatever that is, right? Like, they don't know what that is, but they don't realize that. So I think you just have to really, really educate, say what you're eating is, is not the best for yourself, for your life, for the planet. And they kind of, they kind of start to get it slowly, but surely, but they get it. Yeah. And I yeah. really think people think of meat as protein, but yes. they, they do not realize that it's really more, most of the calories are from fat. It's from fat, exactly. And, and if you, and have, yeah, that's why they love it. Like if yeah. it were just like a pure protein patty, it wouldn't taste that good. Like we really taste. enjoy is the fat. And so then they get into this head, they're getting into their heads. Like I need protein They're I'm craving a steak. What they're really craving is fat. They want fat. So true. Somebody told me the other day, I mean, that why pizza is so addictive is because it has the trifecta, right? It has fat and it has salt and it has sugar, sugar. and the sauce, right? That is the key. So that fat, it's the same thing. It's like sugar, right? You just eat it. You want more, you want more. So that's a really good point. And they just, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of just information out there of what fat does to us, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we are, we are really dying because we're so fat. It's very, very sad. And I'm sure you as a pediatrician, right? You, I mean, I see kids, but not have as many obviously as you do. And you probably are seeing that juvenile diabetes and the scariness from overweight children, right? In my former practice, probably not in your practice, but not now. in my current <laughs> practice, because right. I tend to You're attract right. all the people, all the families that are already yep. really interested in health and well being, which is mm -hmm. not what I anticipated was going to happen <laughs> when I started my own practice. So it's super ironic. So it's like I do That's all, but really it's still, you know, it's fine because I, I know that either way, these children are benefiting. You know, we're continuing, we're supporting these healthy habits. I'm tweaking, I'm optimizing. But yeah, there's a whole group of people in the United States that don't have the privilege of knowing this information yes. or of being able to have access to fresh, healthy plant foods. And so that's definitely yep. something that needs to be addressed in our country. And, mm -hmm. you know, we need to do that because otherwise we are going to continue to see a burden on our healthcare system and on just health and well-being, the productivity of our country, the happiness of our yeah, citizens, yes. of our people mm -hmm. in this country. So yeah, it's a, it's a big deal, but this is mm -hmm. a perfect segue into talking yes. about kids. So yes, you have yes. your own children. You have two children. Yes. Uh, and how old is, are they now? Yes. My son is six. He just finished first grade yesterday. It was Aww. really emotional for me. That's a big thing. <laughs> um, he's like, mom, I'm just a second grader. Like, <laughs> just get over it. Right. I love um, it. And my daughter just turned three. So Aww. yes, very, very sweet. Um, so yeah, they're delightful. And I mean, I made the decision. My husband is really supportive. Obviously this, he is vegan as well. Um, and he's an ER doctor, right? So he knows the, the benefit of it too. Um, but when we made the decision, I mean, 
I think again, uh, empathy is really important to my life and to teach my children. And it's like, you know, why did I have children? I want to raise kids that are going to be loving, going to be kind, going to make a difference in this world, right? So I think this, like I said, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. It's crucial for my, not only for my children's health, but for really like for our planet, right? And I don't believe in lying to my kids. So when it happened, when I had that big moment, yeah, I mean, the next day I got, I think we started with cashew milk um, and I said, you know, hey, you know, we're gonna switch milk. And he's like, he was cute. He was little at the time. So when it was little baby boys, he's like, this tastes different, mom. And I said, yep, we're changing our milk. And he's like, why? And I, my husband was like, why are you telling him the truth? And I said, we're stealing the milk from the baby cows. And he just looked at me like a, like a deer in headlights. He's like, I don't want to take the milk from the baby cows. And I just, and, and I just, I was, I'm honest and I'm honest from there. And they have really adapted it and love it. And I think because my mom really, you know, I always cooked with her when I was little and I was really a part of it. I really try and tell me, hey guys, it's time, you know, to make tofu. My daughter knows the ingredients of like pea pastel, my favorite thing. So like, she'll help me, she'll make it with me. Like, and when you involve them, they understand we're using this because it doesn't, and what kid doesn't love animals, right? I mean, kids love animals. And what do we do? Like, I think, what is it? 200 million animals are killed a day for food, right? I think 200 million, something unbelievable. That's just land animals. That's not even, you know, the aquatic animals. That's like trillions a year. So I think if they're reading these books about sea otters and about sharks, and I love it, how can I be such a hypocrite and have them be like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense? So for me, it's like an, an easy answer to make them really good, healthy kids. And they're tall and they're perfectly healthy. And all that myth of how can your kids, you know, be healthy enough? As you know, and I'm sure you tell all of your patients, there's no medical evidence that kids need you know, cow baby girl fluid, they don't, they don't need cow milk. So they're flourishing and, and doing great. So I'm just kind of mad myself for not doing it earlier, but I'm glad we're here. Oh, no, that's so <laughs> lovely. I just love that story so much. And it's hilarious because he, you started at the age, you know, the, the three-year-olds, yes. they're the ones that ask why about everything. You so it's like a yes. perfect time. Because <laughs> yes. of course three he's going to be like, why? Yes. <laughs> I, we always call him three nagers. And he just looked at me and my husband's like poking me like, what? Yeah, you're going to tell him, but yeah, you are absolutely right. They say, why mom? Why? Why? It's like, it's like a joke, right? Why? But why? But how? But then what? But then, and it just like keeps going, right? So yeah, uh, we still encounter it a lot, right? It's like, you know, cause they actually, it, it was a little bit longer for eggs um, because I never cook eggs. That was one thing. Let's say if they're around other family or yeah. they're eating something like that's I think what's kind of hard. Um, mm-hmm. But, and again, I, you know, I just kind of said in the, a simple way, you know, I said, well, we're, you know, taking babies away from their moms, essentially. And it was the same thing. He's like, okay, then we won't eat anymore. I mean, kids are just so resilient and they want that knowledge. They want to understand. And I think to all the, you know, the hatred and the sadness in the world we have right now, our kids are the chance. And that's amazing that, you know, you're a pediatrician too, because I don't see as many kids but they're just so ready to hear good news and they're so easily influenced in a good way. So I think we just have to kind of, you know, focus on that and give them the tools to be really good people. 
Yes. And they're so optimistic. Do you, do you, do you have any like recommendations on any books or any movies or anything that you feel are appropriate for children to learn about veganism and about compassion to animals, those kinds of things? Yes, actually. Well, I was just reading your book. Um, so I think that's a really, really great example. So obviously you guys should check out a book. It's very, very helpful. Um, and then I actually read, uh, read books to my kid. I'm trying to remember actually the name of that. I will have to get it. I'm not sure the exact name, but when it has a, it's a connection of, it's this little boy that lives on a farm and then he doesn't understand kind of the connection. And then he's like, wait a minute, I love these animals so much. How can I eat them? So even in any book that you like, you really read, there's tons of children's books that just have a moral and you can explain to them how that more relates to how our lifestyle is. So mm-hmm. every, there's so many books about like really wonderful animals and animal facts. And then you see, because my son is really obsessed, you know, with National Geographic and Disney Plus. It's mm-hmm. like saving everyone during coronavirus, right? It's Disney Plus originals. There's all these amazing, so I you really recommend people to check out um Disney Plus originals have just amazing stories on, on elephants and on tigers and how they live and why they're endangered and what's happening. And even if your children are young, you can say it in a simple way. Like it's, we don't have this many tigers in the world because see how pretty their stripes are? Some people want that for themselves and that's not fair. So I think you can do it in a different way. We always adopt um, animals and give gifts from the World Wildlife Federation too for all my kids. So, you know, you can, you know, you get the panda and then you save a panda a year. So we really try and focus on that. We have a Bronx Zoo close by. So you can really find different ways in your community to kind of find how you can incorporate, you know, an ethical lifestyle for your kids. And they really are on board with it, especially if there's, you know, like a cute train involved. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I love Mm -hmm. it. So what would you tell people who say that you're pushing an ideology on your children? Yeah. So I would say that obviously is an opinion, but I can explain to them why that's actually not true because I base my practice my life on, on evidence, right? You have benefits and guidelines for a long time. And if what we are doing right now worked, then okay. I would say, okay, you don't have an argument. But if we have, you know, 41 million starving children, or 40 million starving people in the US, 13 million of them are children, but 75% of our crops are raised for animals and pigs to feed them, what we're doing isn't right. It's not ideology. It's that what we're doing now is not working. There is no answer that anybody has to help everyone's health, to decrease cancer, to decrease pandemics, and to save the Amazon rainforest in the world besides a vegan lifestyle. It's the only answer. If somebody else had one, good, great. It's the only one though. So I would say educate yourself and learn that it's the right answer. I love it. (laughs) Perfect answer. (laughs) Well, you mentioned the pandemic and that was actually my next question. You wrote an article in Veg News. I think that's actually how we met because I commented on it because somebody was hating on it. And so I commented on it. never had a hater. Yeah. And my sister's like, oh, you made it because you have a hater. I was like, oh my God. What they're saying was so not true. And I could, it was so hard for me to not be like, ah. But she's like, oh, you have a hater. She, she's an actress like she knows us she goes oh you've totally made it and I was like oh. <laughs> <laughs> how we met because you were so supportive yeah that no, was that. a great article and it's you know one of those things that a lot of people probably still don't understand so how is the pandemic how the coronavirus 
Mm-hmm. 19, how is it related to what we eat? Yes, exactly. And I was really honored. I don't know if you guys know, but Veg News is an amazing a vegan publication. Um, and I was really honored to write for them. So really when this happened, I just felt like I was an English major. So they're like, you can't be a doctor and be an English major. I was like, oh, I will have no dangling modifiers in my notes. Like I love Shakespeare. <laughs> my sister, my mom are English majors. So I was really happy about it. But so basically every pandemic we've ever had, whether it's SARS, HIV, MERS, Ebola, swine flu, bird flu, every single one can be evidentially based to wildlife consumption. Okay. And when people think like, what, what do you mean? I mean, people, how AIDS started, I mean, HIV, right? You're, you're killing chimpanzees and eating them for meat. We get it. Ebola. Now this COVID, you know, we're, people are ingesting bats and then when a virus from animals transmit to humans it gets it gets very smart it's something we don't have immunity for right so it optimizes itself it mutates and all these strains are very very scary so this is really a virus i haven't i mean it's so scary but i have an unbelievable respect for because what did the flu should i take like 20 30 years right to to establish and now we're trying to to do it in a year and it's just like we knew this after every pandemic, but we kept eating animals. We kept eating animals. And it's just like, I have to say, please, God, like, can we learn something from this? Can we change? And I feel like we can go down into a sad rabbit hole of what's going on in the world. But I have to be positive, say, hopefully we can learn something. I mean, my, my little brother actually sent me an article in China that dogs are now officially labeled as domestic animals, not livestock. That's a small thing, but it's huge. You can't eat dogs anymore, right? In China. So I just, I feel like we have all this information and we are the superior species. So why are we, you know, treating loving animals like they're completely inferior? It doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So I just feel like I hope a lot of people will be educated because this is a very, very scary thing. And we don't know the end point, don't know the end game, which I mean, for me, for you as vision too, it's like your patients say, what are we going to do when this school, when's it going to start? What am I going to, we don't know. It's very, it's very, very scary. So I hope that people, you know, just kind of understand and learn that we can't keep doing the same thing we're doing because we're not going to be here yeah. for a lot longer. And ah. I think, I understand what's going on because, you know, I've been vegan and eaten a plant-based diet yeah, nine years and like, oh, amazing. Weeks. So a few, nine uh, years and two weeks. weeks. So my, <laughs> my plant anniversary is coming up, everybody knows. Um, yeah. but I remember because I feel like I've always had that kind of hippie heart. Okay. Like I've always yeah, my had it in like me, yeah. my, you know, my family in Panama we have a large farm there, dairy oh, still. Really? And okay, I, would, yep. I would walk All by and I would look at the cows in their eyes. You know, they have these big, brown, beautiful eyes. And I would wonder what they were feeling. And, you know, oh. they did get to Rome. But then my brain is like, but there's no other choice. Well, yes. Where okay, because go? I yeah. believed that because mm-hmm. my whole family told me and everybody told me that we must have meat and dairy to be healthy. So really this is the only thing we can do. So I think our job as Mm -hmm. physicians, just like you're doing is Mm -hmm. to help empower people, educate them. Hey, guess what? There is another choice. Not only is it safe, 
it actually might create more benefits than the other diet you were eating. Exactly. And that Mm -hmm. blew my mind nine years ago. As a physician, I was already a trained physician and it blew my mind. Okay. So I know that there's people out there who's going to blow their mind (laughs) when they hear like, oh, that's not going to make you like crumble and die of some kind of crazy deficiency. So I think that's what it is. It's like that thing Mm -hmm. of like, well, there's no other choice. There's no other choice. We're just going to have to keep doing it this way because we have to keep eating animals. Yeah. There's no, and that's exactly, I can imagine how that is for you, right? Like you said, family's having a dairy farm. Like it's just, that's what people grow up. I was told to eat meat and potatoes. Otherwise I'm not going to grow big and strong. And look at the, all the recommendations from a lot of medical societies, right? Make sure there's this much meat on your plate. Make sure there's this much dairy on your plate when we know I mean, there's links to so much cancer. It's just, mm-hmm. and it's hard. And I really feel for, for patients, you know, us as physicians, we're shocked, right? We have a disconnect. We didn't understand. And then patients, how, how can they navigate through all the misinformation out there? I think yes. that's what's really, really hard. So I always, you know, try and let my patients know, hey, like, what are your questions? Well, not, don't you understand? Because the world is very confusing. Yes. Someone's telling you A, someone else is telling you B, and then somebody says, well, no way, and B are totally wrong, you'd see. So mm-hmm. yeah, but you're right. I think it's our, it's our chosen path for sure to, you know, to educate and make a difference. Yes, there is another way. I was uh, doing some research for a presentation I'm doing at mm-hmm. the Peapod conference, mm. and a lot of Americans are starting to learn the term plant-based, but there's still yeah. some people, a lot of people that have never heard of it at all. Yeah. Yep. And some States in particular that are completely disinterested. <laughs> They're yeah. like, yeah. no, oh, don't even talk to us states. about yep. yeah, letting go of our meat, but I'm in Washington state and Oregon, okay. which is right oh, okay. below us is actually yep. the top state for people being was- interested in plant-based diets. <laughs> so yeah. Close to home. Yay. Awesome. So cool. But yeah, we're, I think awesome. there, the more we talk about it, the more yeah. people are on social media, just like you and other people talk about it, normalize exactly. it, show our yes. healthy, thriving children that are not dying of some kind of deficiency. <laughs> then I think that other people will start to have the courage to be like, you know what? I think I can eat yeah. less meat. I think maybe I could get dairy out of my diet. That's mm-hmm. with the first step that a lot of people make. So yes, definitely, definitely. What do you wish more people knew? More people knew, you know, um, I think, you know, exactly what we're saying. The, I, I keep going back to the disconnect, but really there is. So because of the disconnect, I want people to know you can make a difference, right? So, you know, there's people like, what if I recycle? Doesn't matter. Why should I, don't be sorry, I'm voting, but why should I vote? It doesn't matter. Small changes can make a huge difference. So that's really what I want people to understand. If you don't have meat for one day, you're saving at least a cow or a lamb or chicken in one, one day, that's it. So I want them to understand really, like I said, about there's 13 million starving people in the U.S. So if we decrease the demand for meat, right? If we decrease, if all these people eat meat less, just however less a little bit, then it's supply and demand. That's what this whole, you know, obviously corporation is about. So if we decrease this demand, obviously it's going to make some changes. It, the world is really kind of backwards how many people don't have enough food and we're giving all the food to animals so we can eat them. Like it just, if you think about it, you could just, it really, it does not make any sense at all. So I tell my patients, listen, what you do in one day and one decision can make a huge difference, not only for your own health, but really for the world. And I think 
what's happening now with with climate change and the rainforest and the fires like you just can it's so terrible and awful but all of us every single person has the fundamental ability to make a big change Yes. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be all or nothing. Start yes. where you are, start yes. making changes towards there. Don't feel like you have to go overnight. I mean, some of us do, you know, but <laughs> you don't have to. So I think that that's a beautiful, beautiful message. Yes. Yes. What you. personal habit are you most proud of? How did you develop it and how do you maintain oh, it? Personal habit. Um, you know, I think I would have to say exercise. It is extremely important to my life. Um, I remember when I first left for college, I'm kind of a homebody. I'm very close to my family. My parents were when I was a little bit of a chunkier monkey back then. Uh, maybe too much pasta. Um, but there was a track and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to run. I'm just going to see it. I don't know what happened. This is one of those things. Maybe I'm an overnight person. Um, but I can say I have probably worked out six, seven times a week for the past 25 years. It's very important to me. It brings those happiness hormones, you know, my dopamine, maxitocin. And I think as, you know, you know, being a working mom, being a, you know, want to be a loving wife and a great, you know, you know, employed, motivated leader and physician, I have to kind of have that balance. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, doc, I don't have time to exercise. I kind of say like, I don't have time not to exercise mm-hmm. because exercise gives me motivation. It gives me organization. It gives me happiness. I sleep better. I perform better. So I want to always practice what I preach, right? I mean, we have unfortunately some dietitians that are morbidly obese. Like that doesn't make sense. We have to really look at ourselves. I don't want to tell people to run and work out when I don't, I don't do that. Like if I don't, it wouldn't make sense. So I tell people, hey, listen, this is how you want to do progressive lifting. You're going to do arm day, cardio, leg day, arm day. Like, this is how you can do this. If you don't have these weights, you can do this way. And I can teach them much better because I know. Um, I remember in, in med school, actually, I was a, a kickboxing instructor. So I made money that way. And then in Manhattan, it was such good days back in the day when I was um, I was training like Kings County and stuff. Um, I was a dog runner in a city and you'd get you know, $30 to run dogs, these huge dogs that live in these little apartments in Manhattan. So $30 uh, a half hour to run dogs. Like, and so, I, yeah, I mean, you end up running like 50 miles a week and I got like runner's knee, but it's really like held me through med school. It's always been kind of my saving grace. If I get home at like, you know, after the kids go to bed, I get home at six, seven, but the kids bed, I just. I do it and I don't regret it. It makes me very happy. So I completely agree with that one. I feel like exercise is a necessity in my life. Tell me about your exercise. I mean, I do it first thing in the morning. Okay. You're morning. morning. Yeah. I love because (laughs) it, it, I don't drink coffee or anything. I'm, I'm, I don't okay. do any caffeine and I feel like that's what gives me energy and it, oh, just it does. helps me feel happy. Like it gives me, it's my happiness it's drug, it's <laughs> you know, the same so, thing in Prozac. They've done a study. Yeah. <laughs> if you run for a half hour. Yep. It's the same exact thing. See, for I sure, really so. miss the morning workouts. My daughter wakes up every day at five 30. So I'm trying to uh, wake up earlier, but I'm like, it's too early. She's like, oh oh yeah, for you. sure. You'll get back to it. But those kids grow fast. Believe me, mine are already <laughs> 10 and 15. I so you really 10 and 15 yep yeah boys girls two boys two boys yeah some days I hardly know that they're here because they'll be on their devices or reading their books or doing something I'm like make some noise back from the days of like stop making so much noise make some noise (laughs) (laughs) that's so true (laughs) oh man well this has gone by so quickly tell us how 
listeners can connect with you and are they able, if anybody's in your area in New York, can they sign up to see you? How can we connect with you? I am uh, on Instagram, obviously, um, at Plant Some Love. So I really try to connect with you. I love the vegan community. I met you, which is so amazing. It, they're just so wonderful and supportive. And I think, you know, offering those services, having fun meals. I mean, I had a, a patient that lost his sense of taste from COVID. I mean, I was like, make my spicy green tofu, the recipe is there. And he called me, he's like, doc, oh my gosh, it really made me feel better. Yay. It was like, yay, something simple like that. But yes, I am, you know, I just really hope to continue to engage and meet more people and just kind of spread the word and educate people as best I can. I love it. Well, can yeah. you leave my listeners with <laughs> a call to action for the week? What one thing can they do to improve their lives this week? To improve their lives. Okay. Call to action. I like this. Um, so remember, I guess I said, you know, billions of animals are killed every day, every day for food, right? So this is a week. Don't try meatless Monday. Try it for a week, guys. Try to go plant-based for one week tell me what happens. You know, yummy in medicine, we can never say anything that's hundred percent. I will tell you 99.9%. You're going to feel better. You're going to make a difference. You're going to save animals. You're going to have more energy. Your skin's going to be better. And honestly, if it doesn't happen, you can yell at me um, and let me know, but I don't think I'll get any messages on Instagram because you're going to feel a lot better. So I challenge you all to a week meat free. Awesome. I <laughs> love it. That is a good challenge. <laughs> you up on that. Well, this has been fantastic, Dr. Sonod. Thank you so much for your time and for everything that you're doing and for inspiring and empowering your patients. You are making a difference in the lives of so many. So thank you. Oh, Dr. I can't even tell you, thank you so much for this opportunity. I am just so enamored with everything you are doing. You're also a huge inspiration as well. So I really thank you. And hopefully we can talk again soon. Absolutely. And I hope that you have a plantastic day. Yeah. Oh, good one. Thank you. You too. Take care. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. And I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at Rocket Surgeons Music. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, all of my social media links can be found in the podcast description. Send me a message and let me know what you think of today's podcast. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and drop me a line if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli.